Thank you, guys. Um, faith. Uh, faith is the main subject of the passage that we just read, uh, that we just heard in that last verse. Uh, but faith, it's a hard thing to define, isn't it? It's hard to know what it is. Uh, I was reading this biography this week um, by Dave Grohl. He's a musician, and I came across a really interesting passage. Um, Dave Grohl, he went to a Catholic uh, high school, uh, which he didn't like, by the way, uh, but his favourite class at school was a class called Understanding Faith. Uh, and so it was interesting when I read his definition of faith. It was this. Uh, he said, faith is an unconditional belief in something that defies logic and guides your life. What do you think about that? Is that a, is that a good definition of faith, you reckon? I'm getting some, getting some nods. I think it's, it's got some good things about it. Um, he goes on to say... He doesn't believe in the God of the Bible. Uh, he actually believes in some universal force that just, you know, guides us and gives us good things if you, if you really want them. So it's pretty kind of vague. But what I do like about this uh, is how he talks about faith being a belief that guides your life. I, I think that is good. I think that's a good definition of faith because uh, it's closer to what the Bible says faith is. Uh, so the Bible says this, uh, we read in Hebrews 11, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. All right, so this is not some, some vague belief in a universal force. Uh, this is confidence in what we hope for. Uh, that is a hope that comes through Jesus. And, right, and, and it's that hope that guides your life. Right, because it's, it's a finish line. It's a goal. It's a prize. Uh, that we are heading towards. And so it is that belief that guides your life. So I like that definition. And, right, and this is what uh, the Hebrews needed to be reminded of, right? because they had started the race of faith pretty well. They were running well, uh, but it appears that they had started to grow weary. They'd started to lose heart, uh, and they were in danger of giving up. And right, suffering can do that to you because uh, that's what is happening for them. We just read in verses 32 to 34, uh, tells us their lives are full of conflict and suffering. Right, they were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Uh, they were arrested and put in prison and their property was confiscated. Uh, we don't fear that as we gather here this morning, uh, but they did as they gathered for church and, and their time together. And so I wonder, how well would you be running the race of faith if those things were happening to you? Right? But that's what was happening in the church that this book was written to. And so it's all about remembering the hope they have in Jesus. Right? And it's, it's, it's more than just remembering it. It's responding to it and then persevering in that belief that guides their life. Right? Persevering not when the suffering ends, but through the suffering to the very end. And this is what the book of Hebrews does for us as well, uh, because we too will face challenges uh, in the Christian life. Uh, maybe not as, as bad as them, but we too will face challenges. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be costly. It's going to be repetitive. Uh, it's going to be tiring sometimes. And it is really easy to lose sight of the hope that we have in Jesus and just drift along the Christian life. 
So what the Hebrews needed, what we need, is that persevering faith. Persevering faith. Uh, And this this passage here, and and through to chapter 12, it's it's all about that. It's all about faith that perseveres. All right, so today we're just going to focus on verses 19 to 25, just a small section, uh, but this section really introduces everything that is coming. So we'll see it all in here. And here we see that faith is uh, about understanding, uh, it's about responding to those things you understand, and then it's about persevering in those things to the very end. And so we'll have a look at those things in order. And the first one is faith understands the truth about Jesus. So we're looking at verses uh, 19 to 21, chapter 10. You've got your Bibles, have them open and just have a look at this great passage. Uh, This passage is like a great song, okay? It's got this really tight arrangement. All the words are just carefully chosen. Uh, It ties together everything that's come before in Hebrews and sort of launches us forward into everything that's coming. Uh, It's a brilliant little passage, Uh, I'm just going to break it down a little bit here to help us understand it. So we see here that uh, verses 19 to 21, actually a summary of the past four chapters, right? the things we've been looking at the past two weeks. So in chapter 7 to 8, we looked at Jesus, our high priest. Uh, Last week, chapters 9 to 10, we looked at Jesus, our sacrifice. So basically those two things, who Jesus is and what he has done, has been what we've been looking at. And now the the author summarises these chapters in these verses. So verses 19 to 20 is about Jesus' sacrifice. Uh, Let's have a look at them. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. Now, so this was last week. We saw Jesus sacrificed himself once for all, opening that way to relationship with God. That was last week. And then we see in verse 21, that's a summary of chapters 7 to 8 about Jesus, our high priest. Uh, It's pretty straightforward, verse 21. We have a great priest over the house of God. Simple summary. Uh, But we saw that Jesus is our risen, powerful, permanent, perfect high priest and he guarantees our relationship with God for eternity. So we saw those wonderful things over the last few weeks. And the first thing about faith is faith understands those things about Jesus. He didn't spend four chapters talking about that for nothing. Uh, We must understand who Jesus is and what he has done. That's the first step of faith. And those things we must understand, that brings us to God. Jesus brings us into relationship with God. That's the first thing we need to understand. And then once we understand that, faith then responds to the truth about Jesus. That's what we see in verses 22 to 25. Uh, But just notice there's a therefore in verse 19, right? What do we ask when you you see a therefore? What is the therefore, therefore? Good question. Um, And and it's, it's saying this. It's saying, therefore, since these things are true about Jesus, let us respond in this way. Right? And the author gives us now three responses to the truth about Jesus. Right, three lettuces, okay? Let us draw near, let us hold on, and let us consider, right? And and these these lettuces uh, correspond to the three great virtues we hear about often, faith and hope and love. That's our response to Jesus. So the first one is uh, drawing near to God in faith. Uh, 
We'll look at all these three, but the third one we'll spend the most time on. The first two will be a bit shorter. So firstly, draw near to God in faith. Verse 22. Therefore, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Right, the first and most important response uh, to who Jesus is and what he's done is come to God in faith. Right, come to him, draw near to him for relationship. Right, and we do this uh, in the full assurance that faith brings. Right, that's assurance that comes from understanding Jesus. Okay? Right, we naturally think that our relationship with God depends upon us and what we do. If we do good, then we're good with God. If we do bad, then we're just not sure. Right, we need to see here that faith understands we only draw near to God through Jesus. It, it depends upon him completely. All right, and Jesus was sacrificed to wash away all our sin and he is risen as our high priest in heaven forever. Right, and we draw near to God in that knowledge with full assurance that we're accepted. So first response, draw near to God in faith. Now, secondly, hold on to hope. Verse 23, hold on to hope. Verse 23, therefore, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Right, the hope we profess is the things we believe about the future. Okay, if you're a Christian, read your Bible, you know things about the future. That is the hope we profess. Right, and it doesn't come from us. Like, you know, early Christians didn't make it up. Uh, it comes from God. Right, he promises these things in his word. Right, the Old Testament words spoken through the prophets, uh, the, the New Testament words spoken through the Son in these last days. Uh, God promises us a glorious future, resurrection, a new heaven and a new earth. We will be with God forever in eternal life, no sin, no suffering, perfect peace with God and all his chosen people. That is the future that God promises to all who believe in him. Right, what, what do we do with that hope that we have? Right, we hold to it unswervingly. Right, Hold on to that promise unswervingly. Uh, when I make a promise to my kids, they hold on to it. Dad, you promised. Ever, ever heard that before? Dad, you promised. I don't keep hearing it. Dad, you promised. That, you, know, you better do this. And, right, and that's what we do with this promise from God. We, we hold on to that promise. And we keep telling ourselves, God promised this. God promised this. And you can tell God, you promised this. And he'll say, yes, I did. And you can be 100% certain that it is coming. You can, be, you can be sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot see. You can expect that with confidence because God keeps his promises. He's not like me. If God makes a promise, he keeps a promise. So hold on to that unswervingly. And then thirdly, consider how to encourage one another in love, verses 24 and 25. Therefore, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And right, so this here is a, is a call to consider, right, to, to consciously think, be carefully thinking about something, and you're thinking about how do I spur people on? How do I provoke them? How do I stir them up? Right? 
uh, I used to be good at um, provoking and stirring up my sister when I was a kid. Okay, I was very good at that, but not toward love and good deeds, to something very different. But here is a call to, to provoke, to stir one another up toward love and good deeds. Right? Not just a, like, not like a fuzzy, warm love feeling, but, but action. Right? Stirring one another up to love expressed in the things that we do for one another. Um, and, and we do this because love is our response to the way God has loved us. Right? Jesus showed his love for us by laying down his life, going to the cross for us. And he says that our response is to love others as he has loved us. Right? Because love, it's a distinguishing mark of the Christian. Right? It's like our tribal tattoo that everyone can see. Okay, Jesus tells us this, John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And now it seems kind of obvious, the only way we can display this kind of love is if we are together. You cannot do it if you're apart. But it seems like this church, this Hebrew church, had got into the habit of not meeting together so they couldn't love one another. So have a look at verse 25 here. It says, uh, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Now, does this sound like a word in season for us and all the churches of Sydney? Right, for them, for the Hebrews, it was persecution and suffering keeping them apart. Uh, for us, it's been lockdown. Right, and over that time, I think we've formed habits uh, of not meeting together. Right, they say it takes 21 days to form a habit. I don't know if that's true. But we had 17 weeks in lockdown. 17 weeks of not meeting together. And over that time, our habits have been formed of not meeting together. Now, online was, was good for what it was worth. Uh, but online, now that we can meet together, it's no substitute uh, for being physically present with one another. So I just need to ask that question to all of us. Uh, and, you know... I'm preaching to the choir here, by the way. You guys are here. It's awesome. But just we need to think about where does meeting together rank on our priority list? Right? What trumps Sundays? What, what trumps you know, your growth group during the week? Uh, where does meeting together rank? Uh, what things are more important than that? Right, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but Christians go to church. Okay, meeting together is, is not just, just something that we do when, when it suits us, when we're available. Right? It is a response to what Jesus has done for us. Because right, we're, we're not a group of people who just share the same interests, like a, you know, like a golf club or a bowling club or something. Uh, we share the same saviour. We share the same spirit. Uh, we share the same father. I wonder, have you ever thought, uh, do you ever think that you share a closer bond with your brothers and sisters in Christ than you do with your own family? Right? We are, if you're a Christian, you are born again as God's child. You are united to Christ by faith and united to one another in Christ as his body. Right? We are a family. And so, 
this is the response to Jesus. Uh, when we understand the truth about Jesus, we respond in these ways. We draw near to God in faith. We hold on to the hope we have in Jesus. And we meet together, encouraging one another in love. And then finally, uh, we see this is not just a one-off thing, but it's something that we persevere in. So faith perseveres to the end. Uh, this is kind of launching us into the next bit. We won't spend heaps long on it, but uh, this is a very you know, skillfully constructed passage and the very last thing we see in it puts everything into perspective. Okay, verse 25, have a look down your Bibles. Uh, Do these things, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, what is the day? Well, the day is the final day of judgment and salvation, right, when Jesus returns, and that day is in the calendar. Okay, it's got a big red circle around it. God knows when it is. It is coming. It's approaching. Every day we draw closer to that day. Right? And this puts everything into perspective. On that day, Jesus is the judge of all people. Uh, and when he returns, he saves those who believe in him for eternal life, that rich blessing. Uh, but he also condemns those who have not believed in him. Have a look at verse 27. A fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire. They will consume the enemies of God. That's what's coming on that day. Um, And and in light of all that, uh, what really matters is that you believe and that you persevere in that belief to the very end. Uh, the, The author tells us that in verse 36. He says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised but of course, perseverance, not easy. Okay? It wasn't easy for the Hebrews. Uh, and anyone here who has tried to live the Christian life will know it's got its challenges. It's tiring, it's draining, it's costly. Right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Right? So how do we persevere in faith? I just want to finish by giving us three things that I think kind of flow out of this passage uh, that God gives us to persevere. Okay, three things from God to help us persevere. Um, the first one is God gives us his word to persevere. Right, God's word shows us the true reality of our world and what is to come. Okay, reading the Bible, it's like putting on a pair of VR goggles. Anyone, anyone ever uh, put on VR goggles before? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I haven't done it yet. But you put these on and you see another reality. Okay, and, and the people, you sort of respond to that reality, but the people watching you are just going, this person's crazy. What are they doing? Swiping at things. Right? Because they can't see what you can see when you put these goggles on. Right? And God's word is like that. But through the word of God, we see true reality and we see the things that are coming. Right? And, and seeing those things means you're going to live in a way in the world that is not going to make sense to a lot of people, okay? that is not going to get what you are doing uh, because they don't see what you see. Right? If you read Hebrews chapter 11, right, the hall of faith, read it this afternoon, it's an awesome chapter, uh, this is what we see. We see people living according to this unseen hope and other people just thinking they're crazy. So Noah, for example, why would you build an ark in the desert? 
That's crazy. Uh, Abraham, why would you sacrifice your only son? Moses, why would you choose to be mistreated along with the people of God when you could have had all the treasures of Egypt? Right? Why would you do that? Right? Because they were living according to a hope that others could not see. They were looking to a better city uh, whose builder is God, a better country, a heavenly one, a better reward than all this world could offer. Right? And in his word, God shows us this future hope so that we could see it uh, and persevere in that hope. Okay, second thing. Uh, God gives us each other to persevere. Uh, I'll tell you a story just quickly. I preached this sermon over at 8 o'clock church this morning and I choked up when I got through this bit. It's already happening. I'm so sorry. I'll try and push through. I'll just try and de- just detach myself from the feeling for a second and um, we'll keep going. But look, God gives us one another. You cannot persevere in the Christian life without one another. God gives us each other for that. Uh, I was trying to um, just think about the ways that I've been encouraged as a Christian to persevere across the course of my life. Okay, it was like trying to count the stars. Right? I couldn't do it. So I thought, I'll just focus on this week, this week alone. Okay, so Tuesday, uh, I was at growth group. Uh, a young Christian there said, you know, after reading Hebrews, I really need to know Jesus better. I see that I need to know Jesus better. I was encouraged by that. Uh, Wednesday, we had Jump and Jive here, our uh, 0-5s group on a Wednesday. It's fantastic. A lot of people from the community come that don't normally come to church. Um, And and I look out the window and I just see people having conversations, talking to people, uh, because they love them. They want them to know Jesus. And that's encouraging. Uh, Thursday, uh, the women's, women's growth group were here. They were packing envelopes. Um, for our Just Move In, people who just moved into the community, uh, packing 200 envelopes to invite people along to Christmas and things that are happening at church. Uh, Friday, I went to a conference with lots of church leaders from around Sydney, um, you know, church leaders who are a little bit weary uh, after the COVID period, after leading churches. Uh, and the Archbishop, uh, he reminded us so simply from God's word, so encouraging, he said, Jesus is alive. Uh, He loves us. Your work is not in vain. And it was just just so encouraging. And I think the blessing that lockdown has been for us is that we've realised how much we need each other to keep going in the Christian life. Um, You probably felt a bit weary and a bit tired and a bit down through lockdown because we weren't together. So keep meeting together. Keep encouraging one another. God gives us that. So we might persevere. Okay, last one. Uh, God gives us his promise. Uh, Probably the best one of all. Because at the end of the day, faith is so simple. We complicate it, but it's so simple. God gives us his promise and we believe the promise. That's it. We believe God will do what he says he will do. And we can be 100% confident that when God makes a promise, uh, he keeps a promise. Because he's proven it just again and again throughout Scripture that he, he does it. He says something and he does it. He says something and he does it. And he has promised us in Jesus 
Jesus who died for us, who is risen and Lord of all, that he will return to save us. Right, And so Jesus is the anchor of our soul for that reason. Right, we can be sure of persevering in faith to that day and being saved, not because we're super strong or super smart or got super endurance, uh, but because he who promised is faithful and he will do it. Uh, so keep looking to him and the hope he's given us in Christ. Hang on to that uh, and you will persevere. Let's pray. Let's give thanks to God and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing word uh, that is so encouraging. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, uh, our, our perfect high priest, our perfect sacrifice, uh, who we know is in heaven for us, and uh, you love to hear us pray. Lord, thank you we can come to you with a full assurance of faith, uh, knowing that we are welcome. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ that we can look forward to. And Lord, we pray that in light of that, uh, that we would get together, we would encourage one another, uh, we would keep hearing your word. Lord, we would look forward with eager expectation uh, to the great promises you have for us and to that day that is coming. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.